of you were falling asleep during the sermon, so I'm just going to get a little closer to you. <laughs> Works for Charles Stanley, maybe it'll work for me. I'm going to read this morning from the book of 1 Thessalonians, beginning in the fifth chapter, 1 Thessalonians 5. May this word be an encouragement to you today. Now as to the time and epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with a child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of the light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Listen now. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you also are doing. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you for the encouragement that we have felt today. We feel the encouragement through the reading of your word and through singing hymns and encouragement of friendships, but deeper than friendships, our brothers and sisters that we've joined here together. And most of all, we're encouraged by our eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I believe that there are probably some here today that are struggling with discouragement. And so I pray by the power of your spirit that you will move in their hearts, that you will remind them that each one of us today are yours that you have a good plan for us and a good future. Watch over us, please. Do something that I cannot do. By the power of your spirit, breathe new life into us. Well, my lovely wife Sandy is an early riser, and I am not. Tuesday morning she came in while it was still dark and, and without warning, without introduction, she just began to say these words in a loud and clear voice. She said, Jesus has given us the victory. Oh, first thing right out of her mouth. She said, the battle is won. It's over. There are going to be some minor fights until he returns, but we're going to keep our eyes on the horizon. We're just going to look forward to his return. Jesus has won the victory, and we are victorious in him. And we're going to live in that victory. And my first thought was, oh, she's been listening to that Beth Moore again. <laughs> and my second thought was, oh, it would be good just to start with a cup of coffee. But the third thought came to my mind. She said, I thought, you know, she's right. Get up. There are things to do. There's good things to do. And we're going to live in that victory. And she encouraged me. She affected my entire day. I think uh, the words of encouragement to me then encouraged other people as I encountered them that day. And I want you to leave here today encouraged. In fact, I want you to leave here today so that you can infect other people with encouragement. 
I want you to leave today with some words that might even change your entire life, the life of those that you interact with today. Is that setting the bar too high for you today? Amen. Come on, we can do it together. We need it because after all, after all, we need some encouragement, don't we? Because after all, this is the worst time in American history and maybe in the entire history of the world. Is that right? No, not even close. Firsthand of the faith that I want to share with you today, the, the scriptures say that we're to take our thoughts captive. We're to take our thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Listen, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. These are the worst times in the history of the United States. Is that true or false? Absolutely false. These are the worst times in the history of mankind. How about that black plague? That was pretty bad, right? One third of all of Europe destroyed. Maybe that's too far back for some of you. How about, oh, I don't know, the Civil War? Man, more men and women died in the Civil War than in the history of the United States how about World War I? That was pretty bad, right? Great Depression. Some of you probably lived through some of the Great Depression, maybe as children. That was definitely worse. How about World War II? When you think about it, the entire fate of the world hung in the balance. Pretty bad. Vietnam, pretty bad. And yet we can work ourselves up into such a spirit of discouragement today. And it's so easy because we can watch that 24-hour news and we can read comments on social media and let's just begin the hand-wringing. Oh, everything is so bad. But that's when the scriptures say that we need to examine our thoughts through the knowledge of God. We need to examine our thoughts through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the lens of Jesus Christ. You know what Sandy said first thing? She said, you are victorious through Jesus Christ. Amen? Does that describe you or does it not today? Listen, don't make me get up on this one bad leg here. Let me just tell you. You know how hard it is for me to keep still. And listen, these are words that should excite us, encourage us. To move forward. We need to take our thoughts captive. We need to destroy speculations and, and take our thoughts captive. This is not the worst time. Do you think about it? Most of us live better than kings and queens did a hundred years ago. And softer beds and better food and air conditioning. Man, we live like kings and queens. And of course there are issues that we need to address. And of course there's work to be done. But you know, when you listen to the words of Paul, he says, encourage one another. When was he writing this? He was writing this to a people that what? Were living in a difficult time, that they needed encouragement. And his conclusion, Paul says, you are not sons of the darkness, but you are children of the light. Good plan ahead of you. You have eternal salvation with Jesus. His conclusion, therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up, just as you also are doing. 
And listen, I'm not saying just look through rose-colored glasses. I'm not saying that. I understand, again, there are challenges. There's work to be done. But we need to take our thoughts captive. We need to look at them realistically compared to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that Christ is victorious and we are victorious in Jesus. In other words, listen to me. The worst thing that can happen to me, the worst thing, you with me so far? I say amen. We hear you so far, Pastor God. Amen. Amen. All right, listen. The worst thing that can happen to me today is what? I can die and be with Jesus. That's the worst thing. I can go home to be with Jesus and, and receive a resurrected body, go home to be with all of those that have gone on before me in their belief in Jesus Christ. I can receive a, a glorified body one of these days, and we're certainly going to have glorified relationships. The worst thing that can happen to me. Don't you look at me with them sour faces. you got nothing to be sour about. Encourage one another. Paul says it this way. This is a Cal Sales paraphrase. He says, listen, whether or not, hello. Keep going. How's it going? Mm-hmm. Sup? Cutting in and out. All right. Thanks. You're my man. Deer hunt Good? Because I don't want him to miss a word today. All right. All right. All right. Paul says it this way. He says, he says, you know what, if I get to stay here and work with you, I win. And if I get to go home and be with Jesus, I win. In Christ, we win. Let's take our thoughts captive and consider that we are victorious in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But some of you aren't convinced. Some of you are still looking out there with that prune face and just can't have it. So I'm going to give you a second handhold of faith to hold on to. Here it is. The second handhold of faith is this. A little bit longer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. How many of you heard that before? See, that's called the, uh, the serenity prayer. It was written by an American uh, theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr. And uh, he wrote that. And some of you are saying, now how, how is that an encouragement? Well, I'm going to explain it by using another a 21st century theologian, named Duran Johnson, and um, Duran is here with us today, uh, a well-respected theologian, and uh, he once taught a Bible study that I'll never forget. He said, life can be broken down into three parts. He said, it's broken down into things that we have control over, the things that we can influence, and the things that we have no control over whatsoever. And he said wisely, and I think it's the same thing that Niebuhr is saying. He said, invest your energy in what you can control and what you can influence and then leave the rest alone. Now think that through because I don't think we do that very well in our day and age. I think we get all twisted around and start to invest our lives and our thoughts into the things that we can't control. Invest our thoughts and our energy in what we Uh, can control, because if you do, if you invest in the things that you can't control, if you're always focused on that 24-hour news, if you're scrolling down Facebook and, oh, something always bad is going on on Facebook, right? Something always bad is going on. But if you are focused on those things and you're using your energy in those things, man, you're going to get discouraged, discouraged. 
And you're going to not use the energy that you have that God has given you through your spiritual gifts to invest in those things that can really make a difference. Does that make sense to you? Man, I cannot control those things that are going on on the other side of the world. I can't even control the things that are going on in Washington. But here's what I can control. Here's what I can invest my life in. That one person in front of me. To say a kind word, to say an encouraging word, to look for those opportunities that I can bring Jesus into the conversation. But if I'm always focused on, oh, all of these things that are going on all over the world, listen, pray for those things. But don't be discouraged by them. Invest life into something with powerful and wonderful returns. I'm not created. Listen, and you weren't created either. I'm not created so that the 24-hour news people can make money. What they're doing is they're instilling fear in us. And I'm not saying be uninformed. I'm not saying there's not real problems. But I'm not created to make them money. And you and I, listen, back row, Baptist back there, we aren't created to live in fear. Because my God has overcome my God is victorious, so I'm not created to live in fear. I'm created to bring glory to God. That's who I am, and I just want to invest my life into that. And the only one I can do that with is that one person that's in front of me. And I'm going to let the rest go, says Niebuhr and Johnson. And I'm going to remember, see, I'm going to take my thoughts captive and remember that God has a good plan for me. And he has already won the victory. And you know what's amazing? I win, we win in Christ. He says that he's going to bring us home someday and that together we're going to reign with him forever. I'm not even sure what that means exactly, but it sounds good. Because we have a good God that's for us and not against us, I'm going to live in that truth. Amen? Amen. I'm proud of you this morning. I think you are. Sadly, we invest so much energy into things that we have no control over. Man, I just want to use my energy for this one little short life I have to invest it in, in the kingdom. I, 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 uh, when I was in college, boy, I've been thinking a lot about college recently. This chair is really uncomfortable. I went to my first uh, psychology class. I got my first degree in, in psychology. And uh, we, we learned something called learned helplessness. You ever heard that? Learned helplessness, remember? It, it's, a, it's the strangest thing. It's a mean, as, mean as the Dickens. What they did is they, they take this rat and uh, they would put it in a cage, and they would train it. If you turn right, uh, you get a shock. If you turn left, you get food. Okay, simple enough. Then they change it up. So if you turn left, you get a shock, and you turn right, uh, you get food. And the rat kind of freak out a little while, but then he did it, and he'd relearn it. Then they did the wildest thing. It just sounds a little mean. They said, whatever we do, whatever the rat does, left or right, we're going to shock him, and we just want to see what happens. You know, you know what the rat learns to do? It's the saddest little thing. That rat would just stand in the middle of the cage and shake and was afraid to move. And they called that learned helplessness. And brothers and sisters, I think when we focus on all the things that we don't have control on, what we're doing is we're just learned helplessness. We're just standing in the middle of the cage just shaking. As opposed, man, does that... Does that, we, do we serve a good God or not? Amen. So does that sound like the plan that a good God would have for you and me? 
We need to focus on the things that we can control, the things that we can invest. And really all that is is that one person that's right in front of me right now to be kind and gentle and loving and look for opportunities to bring Jesus into the conversation. The serenity prayer, you know that one line. Some of you may not know that there's a whole lot more to the prayer. Listen, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. It goes on and it says, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I will be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Doesn't that sound better than learned helplessness overcome by all the things that you can't control? Thank you, Duran. Thank you. I'll always remember that. Third hand hold of faith. If you want to be encouraged, be an encourager. I believe this is absolutely true. Hebrews 3.13 says this, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Wow. Encourage one another so that no one gets a hardened heart. Encourage one another. Encouragement and discouragement, encouragement. In, in 1998, uh, I felt uh, called to the ministry and preached my very first sermon. And it was awful. It was awful. It was awful. It had 16 points, I'm sure of it. It was about 45 minutes long, about 20 minutes in. Listen, I don't know if you realize this or not, but when I'm preaching, I can watch out there and see if you're connecting or not, right? About 20 minutes into that 45-minute sermon, I had lost everybody. And I didn't have enough sense to just go, amen, let us pray. I just forged on, just pushing on, 45 minutes into it. At the end of that sermon, I went to the front of the church. I stood with the pastor, and people, you know, that's the tradition. You walk by, no one would make eye contact with me. They kind of put that, that hand out there, but they, you know, shook hands and mumbled something. And I just wanted to die. I just, I mean, I just, I just thought to myself, I'm not sure. I think maybe I heard God wrong. I'm not sure if I'm called to preach. And I just want to go home so bad. And the people just kind of kept coming by, and I just wanted out of there so bad. Except one woman. And she came by and she took my hand and she made a real point of making eye contact with me. And she said, when you spoke, I saw something about God that I'd never seen before. And I remember her voice. And I remember her face because she was an encourager. Encouragement is powerful. And she found something in there 
She fought to be an encourager so that she could come and say a good word to me, which gave me the courage to try again. Words are powerful. So use them to be an encourager, not a discouragement. Discouragement. A few weeks ago, I was coming out, I was walking and and uh, coming out to preach one Sunday morning, and I kind of I walked by the workroom. There was uh, one of our church members in there, and and uh, this church member, she it was pretty clear that she there was something wrong, and she was kind of upset, and and so I, I went into the talk to the person and, and kind of see you know if there's something I could do, and the person I said what what's wrong, and th- this individual said you know I just had a conversation with somebody, and it just was so discouraging. They were so critical of what's going on, and in the church and you know they compared this church with another church and clearly that other church is doing a lot better than we are and we're just falling short and it was really clear that my friend was hurt by this conversation discouragement and I tried to be an encourager I don't think I did very good and that individual walked away and and and, and as that person walked away I thought you know that person's really going to have a hard time worshiping this morning because a word of discouragement was spoken into their life and because this person cares deeply about our church, you know, it's going to be really hard for that person to worship this morning. And because that's so, then that Sunday is going to be kind of messed up and that's going to be the beginning of the week and maybe that's going to cause kind of a downward spiral. And I wonder how many people that person's going to contact, you know, over this week. And, and how they're going to negatively affect those relationships they have. All because someone decided. They chose, they chose, they chose to be a discourager rather than an encourager. Because discouragement is powerful. Powerfully destructive. But that's not who we're called to be. Listen to Ephesians 4 and 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed. That's not just... That's not just cussing. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as as good for edification. In other words, that's going to build somebody up. That's going to build somebody up. That's what our calling is. Only such a word for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. And again, I'm not saying that we just just look through every rose-colored glasses through everything. That's not... You know, I'm always looking for ways to make things better. And man, if you, if you see something, in, you know, people bring me uh, bulletins from other churches when they're away for a week. And man, I, I comb through them. You got comments how we can do things better? Let me know. But there's a tone. There's a, a way that we can talk to each other. We're on the same team. Let's build up together. Let's try this. Do you think this would work here? Be an encourager. I love what you're doing in this. We can build off this over here and we can make it better. Be an encourager. And here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing about it. When you encourage somebody else, man, they're going to encourage you back. Instead of being a downward spiral of discouragement, be an upward spiral of, of encouragement. Be a blessing to somebody. That's what you're called to do. Because why? Ultimately, take your thoughts captive in light of the good news of Jesus Christ. Be an encourager. Amen? Amen. I believe God loves an encourager. I believe so. 
Why? Why? Because you're, you're just acknowledging. God is good. He has a good plan for me. I'm going to live in it. Don't you think that's a blessing to the heart of God? Build each other up. Proverbs 16, 24 says this. Pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Don't you want to say those words? Don't you want to be kind, encouraging to somebody else? I, I don't know. You think Proverbs 16, 24 is true? Let's see if it's true. You ready? Are you listening? Ready? If you're a member of this church and have been a member for more than 30 years, would you do me the kindness of just standing up? If you've been a member of this church for more than 30 years, would you stand up? Back row Baptist too. Come on. 30 years. Look around. Don't applaud yet. Don't applaud yet. We're going to give them a hand just a second. But I just want to say a word of encouragement to you. Belinda, how can you be? You're not even 30 years old. How can that be? From the bottom of my heart, on behalf of the church, I want to thank you. All of you that are standing here, because of your faithfulness, because of your giving, because of your teachings over the year, you have brought the church to this place, and you did it with a desire to honor God. And the truth is, we don't stop and recognize you enough and thank you for what you have done for all your faithfulness. So this morning... As a word of encouragement, sincere from my heart to yours, I want to thank you for what you have done. Now is a good time to applaud. Please be seated. Please be seated. How about, how about this? Probably a little bit smaller population. If you brought your children or your grandchildren to church this morning, would you be so kind as to stand? All right. Children and grandchildren. We understand that there was probably some wrestling matches to get your kids here today. Oh, Mom, do we have to go to church today? Where is that other shoe? I don't know. Why do you have to keep hitting each other? Just get in the car. I remember him very well. But you decided to live sacrificially and do what's important, and I'm proud of you. We're proud of you because you decided that this is more important than just succumbing to the wrestling match. You're investing in the lives of your children and in the lives of the future of this church, and we thank you, and we want to say a word of encouragement to you. Amen. Please be seated. I'm not done yet. You see what? Encouraging doesn't cost very much. Let's continue on. If you worked with children or with youth this week, would you please stand? Children or youth? Listen, I'm going to stand for this one. It says in my scripture right here, it says, we're going to stand and rise up and call you blessed today. Because many of you worked all week. Many of you who worked all week, like on Wednesday night, and I see you. I'm up there with my pizza, you know. And I see old Ann coming in here, and she's got, she's like, whoo, she's like light speed. You know, all of you coming in, putting that vest on. You just got off work. You worked all day. They're not your kids, not by flesh and bone. But you've decided to invest in them in the youth and Sunday school. You've invited a Sunday school teacher in the Iwana program, which is absolutely thriving. They're not your kids, some of you, but you've decided that this is important and you sacrificed to do it, and I'm proud of you, and I hope it's a word of encouragement to each one of you. Please be seated.
I'm feeling pretty good. How about you? How about you? One more time. I got one more here. Let's see. If you prayed for someone this week, if you filled an Operation Christmas box, Christmas child box, you sang in the choir, you supported any ministry of the church for the glory of God, would you please stand? Hey, that should be just about everybody. That was the goal. Curtis, you need to get busy, brother. I'm just saying, look at him back there. I just don't think he can stand up right now. I know he's done some of those things. Look at you. Look at the church. God bless you. God bless you for your faithfulness, for your continued work, for your hope that you have in Christ in the future. I'm so proud of you. Give yourself a hand, won't you? Please be seated. And Curtis, I know that you've been busy. I'm just playing. You know how I am. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. I hope today you're encouraged. I hope the encouragement spurs you on to do even more good works. I pray that this week when you leave the church, that the sermon, that the worship time that we have together won't end at the door, but you'll just look for someone to encourage this week. As you have been encouraged, now go and encourage others. Look at everything through the victory that you have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to end today with just a, a brief, how did it get to be 1213? I'm going to end today with a story. Uh, some of you may think it's silly, but um, I hope it'll be a blessing to others. It's just a funny uh, kind of a children's story. It's called Tater People. You ready? Have you ever heard of Tater People? Uh, some people never seem motivated to participate, but are just content to watch while others do the work. They are called spectators. Some people never do anything to help, but are gifted at finding fault with the way others do the work. They are called commentators. Some people are bossy and like to tell other people what to do. They're called dictators. Some people are always looking to cause problems by asking others to agree with them. It's too hot, it's too cold, it's too sweet, it's too sour. These are called agitators. There are those who say they'll help, but somehow they never get around to it. These are called hesitators. Then, those, then there are those who love others and love God and do what they say they will. They're always prepared to stop whatever they're doing and lend a help, a helping hand to encourage other people. They bring sunshine into the lives of others. They're called sweet taters. For a goodness sake, be a sweet tater. Of course, the scriptures say it better, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds Forsaking our own, not forsaking our own assembly as the, as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For goodness sakes, be an encourager. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you for all the blessings that you pour into our lives. We pray, Father, that you would help us to focus, to see life, through the victory we have in Jesus. We pray, Father, that at moments of intersection where we can cho choose to either be a discourager or an encourager, that your Holy Spirit would remind us at such moments, Father, that we have victory in you. 
In fact, we pray, Father, that you would put us in people's paths, those that need a word of encouragement. We pray, Father, that we would be found faithful. Watch over us and guide our steps. In Jesus' name, amen.